All right, gentlemen, it's so good to be here this morning. Um, compared to not being here this morning, it's really good. So the boss uh, texted me last night and uh, asked what I was doing this morning, and uh, I understood what he was really asking is that he wanted, he wanted, yeah, that's right, text from God. There's John, no, I don't even want to go there, because I'm, I'm going to talk about humility. He said that he's been going through a series called Failing Forward. So I texted him back and said, well, I'll talk about succeeding backward, um, just as a joke. But um, it's not too far-fetched, because we're going to talk about humility uh, this morning, because uh, I had to reach back in my uh, journal. One of the things I learned to do in my spiritual life um, about the time I got called into ministry, maybe 10 years ago or so when I felt like I was called into full-time ministry, uh, was to start journaling. Now journaling in my mind, number one, I don't like writing, and so journaling means writing. Um, and number two, I always thought of journaling, you know, you have to express your thoughts and your feelings, and I don't like either of those things either. Um, and no, I don't like expressing my thoughts or feelings, and I only have so much room to hear you express yours. So it's just, that's just the way I'm, the way God wired me. I don't know. And it, so he made me a pastor. I don't know how, how that works. But, uh, and then the other thing, I always associated it with things ladies do, right? Ladies have journals, girls have journals, but guys, you know, whatever. But one of the spiritual disciplines I started practicing was journaling. Journaling my prayers, journaling as I read through God's word in the morning. And just uh, as he spoke to me, I'd write it down. And I'd write out my prayers, and I do write out my prayers. Now, I don't do that every single morning. Um, there will be times when I'll go uh, weeks at a time without opening up my journal. Now, I don't write, I type, I have it all uh, online. And so if anyone ever hacks my account, boy, they're gonna get some dirt on some people um, as I've prayed uh, before God. No, mostly my family, uh, <laughs> mostly on me. Uh, but, so one of the things I learned to do that, so when John Mark said, hey, uh, will you speak uh, today or cover the lesson? Uh, the first thing I did was roll back in my journal uh, and look back uh, over some of the things that hit me personally the most. And one of the things I went back, I had to go almost back a year where I found this one on humility. As over three or four days, I was just dwelling on this thing of humility and what it really means to me. And the timing was so good because uh, this week I received this awesome letter from a young lady uh, who now lives out of state, but they were here part of our church. Uh, I believe she was probably in kindergarten or first grade when we first started serving here at Cottonwood, uh, when Sue and I got here. And uh, I'm sorry? Uh, seven, going on eight years, yeah, about seven and a half years. So uh, now she's in seventh grade, I think. And so for Veterans Day, you can see this beautiful Veterans Day letter. It's obviously has a school project. Uh, and they come down and visit uh, every so often. We still get to see them and catch up with them. They usually stay at our house when they do visit. 
and uh, this is what she wrote for her school project. Uh, she asked me questions from a veteran's point of view that I need to <laughs> eventually reply to. But it's hard to stay humble with a letter like this, and you have to know this young girl because she's very sarcastic and witty. And so she writes this letter. Dear Dave, thank you for your service. You are the bravest person I know. I hope reading this letter brings you great joy. I miss seeing your bright, smiling face. Your smile could light up a room. I have a few questions for you about the military. And then she asks several questions here. And then she says, last one, I, I promise. How did you have the courage to serve? I miss you, love, Abby. And so uh, as I was reading that letter, first of all, I was seeing her face <laughs> in my mind. Her, her sarcastic, witty, witty face, and then uh, reading those words. And so I've read that to my family, said, look, look how wonderful uh, Abby thinks I am. Don't you all think my smile can light up a room? My wife was not so sure about that. Um, but God gives us opportunities to humble ourselves in life or we will be humbled. And we've all been there, right? We've all been in that time or in those periods of life when we've been humbled, when we thought maybe we had certain things together and we did not. And as we look at humility and as we look at this thing of pride, uh, G.K. Chesterton said that if he had just one sermon to preach, it would be on the sin against pride, because pride is that one sin that seeps and is at the root of almost every sin that destroys us and pulls us from God. Satan had that overarching sin of pride that wanted to elevate himself up to be God, right? And so as we look at this this morning, uh, the hallmarks of humility, I called it, because as John Mark texted me last night, I was in my chair reading, and Sue was watching a Hallmark movie. Uh, and so I was not paying attention to it, mostly. So C.S. Lewis says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Sorry, guys. It's thinking of yourself less. It's thinking of yourself less. So it's not... It's not putting yourself down, but it's putting others up, right? Because we have no problem putting ourselves up. We love to take care of ourselves. Jesus said that, right? He said, hey, no one's ever hated themselves, right? We love ourselves to the point of, of destruction oftentimes. And so humility is a matter of the mind. It's a, it's a frame of the mind. It's a frame of the way we think. And Paul says that we need to clothe ourselves in that every day before we start the day. Listen to Philippians 2. I put everything right there, so you probably don't even have to open your, your Bibles if you don't want to. Um, that's not a very pastoral thing to say. In your relationships with one another. So that's a first uh, a, a phrase that should get our attention right away. In our relationships with one another. And that relationship 
cuts across every part of our life, whether especially in the home. That's where we have to begin every relationship. When Paul talks about relationships, when God talks about relationships, when Christ talks about relationships, I often think the first thing that I need to come to grips with is my relationships in my home with my wife, with my kids, with my brother, my sister, with my father, with my mother, right? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so we see what his mindset was. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You see, that's the difference between humility and pride we want to use everything that God has given us. And first, we may not even recognize that God has given us whatever we have. We want to use it to our own advantage oftentimes. Our first thought is, how do we use that to our own advantage? How do I amass that income, that status, that success, so that I, so that I, right? And Jesus had the mindset of being in the very nature of God. He didn't consider being God and having that right as something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Now, Jesus didn't give up deity. He didn't give up God when he came to earth. He retained his deity, but what he did is added something else. He added humility. He added the humility of man, you and me. He became one of us. Not only did he became one of us, become one of us in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the most humiliating death that was known at the time, stripped naked and spread out on the cross and crucified. And so in his mind, he didn't retain the thought that I'm God and I deserve better. And so you and I are constantly battling with that. I'm Dave, I'm the children's pastor, I'm the dad, I'm the husband, I'm the grandfather, I'm the whatever, right? And I deserve better. But God calls us to be like Christ, have the mindset that sets that, all of that aside and clothe ourselves in humility. So it's a mind, we begin with the mind and only then will it move to the heart. But that's not something we can do once, right? We have to do that again and again and again. We have to do that every day. We have to do that throughout the day. We constantly have to remind ourselves so that the next time our wife says, hey, will you do that? Go, hey, don't do that. Could you do this? I need your help doing that. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I just did, you know. I deserve some time to myself. That's not how it works. First Peter 5. In the same way, so he's, first he starts off telling the older folks, hey, you elders who are like me, I'm a fellow elder, 
He said, this is how you should serve God, shepherd the people, care for the people. And then he says, in the same way, and he starts talking to the younger folks, submit yourselves to your elders. So for, it doesn't matter what age we are, but when we're younger, we really have a hard time submitting to older folks. We just, authority is just something we don't want anything to do with, right? And so we're constantly fighting that as well, but younger people are learning that at a greater pace. Submit yourselves to your elders. And then he says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. See, Peter talks about that clothing. We have to get up every morning and put our humility clothes on. And one of the ways to do that is seeing who God is. The word of God will show us and instruct us. One of the best ways to start off your day is in the Word of God, where we can clothe ourselves in humility before God and before others. And then Peter says, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now, I don't know about you, but God's timing of lifting me up and giving what I think is fair to me is never quite quick enough. I want to take things into my own hand and elevate myself and demand my own rights and demand my own place, right? But God said in due time, if we serve him, if we submit ourselves not only to him but to others, to each other, then God in due time will lift us up. And so as I look at pride, and as we look at pride, I think it's pretty easy to see that pride perpetuates itself in fear, and fear perpetuates itself in pride, and the two of them work together because of our lack of trust in God. You see, because we are constantly trying to become or to maintain an image in front of other people because we don't want to be exposed, right? We don't want to be found out for who we really are in our hearts of hearts oftentimes. And so we carry this fear that people will know who we are, who we truly are. And so a couple quotes here, first from Thomas Jefferson. Pride costs us more than hunger, thirst, and cold. And then Andrew Murray, pride must die in you or nothing else in heaven can live in you. So there's, there's no association with God and pride. God can't have pride because he's God, right? So we can't elevate ourselves in any way before God. And some measure of pride stems from our insecurity. So that was the point I was trying to make. And that insecurity fosters a preoccupation with ourselves. So we fight a constant battle of fear, trying to protect and prop ourselves up. So let's look at some of these points uh, that I wrote down here. As I was sort of meditating over this about a year ago in my journal, I try to deceive others to make myself appear superior in some way. 
I deceive myself by thinking I am something that I'm not in my pride. These are all things we do in our pride. Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Not only is the heart deceitful in that we try to deceive other people, but really we're deceiving ourselves, aren't we? We're, we get to the point where we even deceive ourselves in pride and we make ourselves in our own mind and we convince ourselves that we are something that we're not. And really that, that gets to the most dangerous uh, pathological level when we have convinced ourselves of the lie. I defend or hide my sin to avoid being humiliated or shamed. I would always rather be happy than dignified, Charlotte Bronte says. Being dignified and upholding our uh, status and our dignity in this life is of great value to many of us. And uh, I will tell you in children's ministry, uh, you have a lot of opportunities to become undignified in this um, pandemic. One of the things we've had to do is focus a lot more of our time to making videos and putting online content for children out there uh, because we don't see them. We're only seeing about 40% um, of the children that we saw um, and got to minister to directly um, here at Cottonwood. And so we have to figure out ways to put online con out, content out there to to help disciple them and help parents. And so one of the things that I found myself doing now is, and I've tried to get out of it, but the, my team says, no, you've got to continue because um, people are watching it, is you know, I just get silly on uh, video every week to try to make a Bible point. And you know, to keep kids' attention, you have to, do something silly. You have to make it creative. You have to, you have to, and so I, I to be honest, I'm out of ideas of, of becoming undignified on the camera <laughs> to make a Bible point. But God um, gives us opportunities to humble ourselves so that we will lose our dignity for the sake of the gospel. Jesus lost his dignity for the sake of you and me, and he's asking us to do the same. He's asking us to be willing to lose our dignity for the sake of the gospel. The next one, I refuse to serve others in my arrogance and fear, and, and that fear, again, we prop up that fear, that, that worry of becoming or looking undignified or appearing undignified or appearing weak or appearing uh, like we're failures. And so in that, we're so focused on ourselves that we refuse to serve others, that we make everything about ourselves, that we may come into a church like Cottonwood, into a congregation like this, and have the mindset when we show up or when we're part of anything and say, 
what is here for me today? What's here for me? Instead of, as the writer of Hebrews says, what is there for me to encourage and to help and to serve others in that capacity? And not just within the church, it's easy to say, because we're, you know, we're part of the body of the church, but outside the church, in our community, in our neighborhood, in our homes. I place myself first because I consider myself more deserving than others. We talked about that. Complaining. Complaining becomes a, a dangerous, slippery slope, right? When we start complaining, we'll continue down that path of complaining, and pride will speed that up, will energize our complaint. I love uh, what Peter or uh, what uh, Henry Ward Beecher says: "A proud man is seldom a grateful man, for he thinks he gets less than he deserves." In this time of Thanksgiving, it's more difficult for us to think daily and be thankful daily for the things that others bring into life. Maybe our spouse, our children, our coworkers. To just be thankful. To just give thanks and say, hey, thank you, instead of offering a complaint, a bitter uh, comment, right? I degrade and demean associated with that. Then it becomes part of our speech. Then it just rolls out. I know when I get in a, get in a pattern of negativity, I can feel it, right? I can feel it inside of me. I can feel maybe stress-induced, and then the next thing I do is I start complaining and I see all the faults and I start picking apart in my mind and then the next thing you know it becomes part of my speech because it comes out of my heart right those things which come out of our mouth come from the heart and so constantly have to be in check there we become unkind we become angry right because we're not getting what we deserve 1 Peter 2.16, live as free people, but don't use your freedom to cover up evil. And that, again, goes back to that um, point where we're fearful, and so we try to cover up. And we use our freedom in Christ as an excuse to cover up our evil. And then, ultimately, we rob God of his glory by lifting ourselves up. We become the idol. We are our own idol. And God says in Isaiah, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. God will not yield his glory and his praise to you and me. So there's no sense in us trying to elevate ourselves to get that for ourselves. God will willingly set us up at the right time in due time if we humble ourselves right if we humble ourselves before him not so with you another portion of scripture i love so much from matthew 20 24 to 28 i'm so sorry guys you online you don't even have this piece of paper so if i haven't been giving the scriptures i apologize for that matthew 20 24 to 28 says this now the scene here is uh, John and James's mom, the nice helicopter mom that she is, 
goes to Jesus, takes her boys to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, I have a favor I need for my boys. I want them to be in first place. I want them to be number one and number two. But I'm not going to tell you which one, but number one and number two. And uh, so she goes to Jesus and asks for the places of honor in his kingdom. I want my boys to be right there at the top seat. And so when the 10 other 10 disciples heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them all together. So Jesus saw a teaching opportunity here. And he said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. And then he says, not so with you. Not so with you. Not with you, not with me. Instead, he said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, just as Paul described in Philippians, Jesus is stating his purpose and his mind and his attitude. He came as the Son of God, God himself, but he said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. And so you and I, as servants of the Master, how can it be any different for us, right? How can it be any different for you and me than to have that same attitude as we go about our life and say, I'm here to serve. I'm not here to be served, I'm here to serve. So wherever we go, wherever we're at, whether it's in our living room, whether it's in our neighborhood, whether it's at our church, in our school, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve everywhere I go. Who will do the servant's job? John 13, 12 through 17, when he had finished Jesus, when Jesus had finished washing their feet. So here's the servant, the ultimate example of the servant doing the job that only a servant, a slave would do, washing the feet of his disciples. So he, here's the Lord, the master, takes his clothes off, his good gear off, strips down for work, puts a servant's towel on his waist and gets down on his hands and knees and washes the, his, the disciples' feet. And then he gets his clothes back on and he says, do you understand what I've just done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. So the truth of the matter is, you and I, God has given us a certain amount of status, a position, power. He's made us dads, granddads. He's put us in uh, industry. He's put us in the community. He's established us within the church. In whatever roles, those can't be denied. And those shouldn't be denied, right? Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and that's who I am. He didn't, he didn't want to deny that. It's the truth. I'm the children's pastor. That is, it's, that's the truth, right? And so I don't need to deny that or degrade that. 
But, and he says this, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, Jesus again, before he goes to the cross, gives one last object lesson. He gives one last lesson to the disciples, and it's a lesson of service. It's a lesson of sacrificial love, and then he said, go do the same thing. And then later on he says, the world will know that you're my disciples if you do so. That's the witness to the whole world is our love and service for one another in humility. It takes humility to serve. It takes selflessness to serve other people. Because Christ is my Lord and Master, here are some things. Let's read through these. Number one, I am his servant and the servant for all for his sake. So we talked about how pride inspires fear. Fear inspires pride. But here's the counter to that. Faith. Right? If we have faith and understand who we are in Christ, that he is our Lord and master, and there can't be a better master. As servants of Christ the King, how could we ever be left? How could we ever have a need? How could we ever have anything that could harm us? Because he will care for us. He'll take care of us. So I am his servant and the servant of all for his sake. Number two, I value others above myself. Paul says in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. I'm kind and gentle to all, Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I don't fear people or manipulate their thinking of me. Proverbs 29, 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I'm patient with others and with my master as a submitting slave. You see, it's one thing to be patient with other people, but being patient with other people is ultimately being patient with God, with our master. Because he knows our situation. He knows our circumstance. He knows what we're going through, right? So why wouldn't we be patient with our master as he's waiting for that due time to elevate us and to help us? And so he's asking us to be faithful. I'm not a complainer, enough said. In humble submission, I gladly receive God's favor and grace. You see, God is ready to give the humble favor and grace. But you and I, when we let pride rise up, we're basically stiff-arming that grace and favor because God is stiff-arming us, right? God says he opposes that kind of mentality. So why would we reject the greatest thing God has ever given us, his grace and his favor, right? Because of pride. 
I can easily roll my anxieties on my master. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. What a master, what a Lord. He cares for us. He doesn't just beat us down and say, serve, serve, serve. No, he loves us and he cares for us. And he wants us to show that same to others. All right, as we finish up here, the benefits, some of the benefits of clothing myself with humility every single day. Number one, God gives grace and favor to the humble. We already said that, several verses there. Proverbs 3, 34 as an example. Whereas he opposes the proud. We talked about that. Wisdom is on the side of the humble. When you and I demonstrate humility, we're demonstrating wisdom. That's just wise, smart actions, thinking. Whereas pride brings disgrace. Honor follows humility. Destruction follows pride. God exalts those who humble themselves. Remember, in due time. In due time. So we have to wait for God's timing. God hears, forgives, and heals the humble. God dwells and revives the humble, Isaiah 57, 15. God saves the humble, Psalm 149, 2. God gives the kingdom of heaven to the humble, Matthew 5, 3. God spares the humble from disaster, 1 Kings 21, 29. And God elevates the humble, Matthew 18, 4. And then finally, from Psalm 138, 6. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. So just a flood of thoughts and feelings from uh, my own journal on how God spoke to me about pride and humility in my own life. And I hope it gives you something that you can uh, hang on to and use to serve and honor and glorify him. Let's pray this morning and uh, humbly go before the Lord. Father, you are amazing. Your love for us, your generosity, your grace that compels you to humble yourself to the point of death on the cross, the humiliating, shameful, undignified death. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. All we can do is say thank you and then give our lives to you in humility. Lord, we all battle pride. And we just ask that you help us Strengthen us. Remind us, Lord, of who you are and who we are in you. Remind us that you love this world. You love the people of this world. Help us to love them. You came to serve. Help us come to serve. Lord, you showed up everywhere to serve. Let us show up, Lord, everywhere to serve. Let us have that same mind. Let us clothe ourselves with humility. But Lord, let us be bold. Let us not be fearful. Let us be strong and encouraged 
Let us not be shameful, but let us glorify your name. In your name we do pray. Amen.